Hi, and welcome to the latest podcast from the Lancet Respiratory Medicine. My name's Priya, and today we're discussing a study on the use of inhaled epinephrine, commonly known as adrenaline, in children with acute bronchiolitis. Published on August 26, 2015. We're joined by the lead author, Dr. Hovard Skirvin, and co-author, Professor Karen Carlson. Welcome both. This study was a follow-up to the Bronchiolitis All trial, published in 2013. Could you tell me what the main findings of the All study were and what clinical impact they had? First, acute bronchiolitis is uh, the most common cause of admission to pediatric hospitals uh, probably worldwide. And instance typically presents with acute respiratory distress in winter epidemics, most often caused by a respiratory sensitial virus. And the management uh, is mainly supportive therapy. Several specific therapies have been commonly used throughout the years. And those include antiviral medication, corticosteroids, antibiotics, mainly for the last decades, inhalations with bronchodilators, also hypertonic saline. When it comes to bronchodilators, based upon studies showing a symptomatic effect, uh, they have been uh, very commonly used in, uh, in fact, in more than half of the patients in uh, Northern America and the Nordic countries. And prior to our study, the guidelines from the American Association of Pediatrics recommended an individual trial in the patients with, uh, with acute bronchiolitis of uh, a bronchodilator to assess the effect. In our country, in Norway, inhaled epinephrine was the standard management in, uh, in fact, in all hospitalized patients, given up to every hour and uh, an average of 15 to 20 inhalations per patient per hospitalization. In our multicenter trial of uh, uh, 404 patients with moderate to severe disease, which was a factorially designed trial comparing inhaled epinephrine versus saline on the one hand, and on the other hand, on the uh, demand schedule versus um, uh, fixed schedule uh, therapy, which is two uh, different strategies of uh, giving inhalations in these infants. We found there that, in fact, inhaled uh, racemic epinephrine had no effect on the length of stay or the use of, um, of supportive care, while the use of an uh, on-demand inhalation strategy resulted in 30% fewer inhalations, a shorter length of stay, less use of oxygen, and less use of ventilatory support. The clinical implications of this was that the guidelines in Norway was changed immediately to a... Um, uh, much uh, more constrictive use of bronchodilators, and also the American Association of Pediatrics guidelines published in November 2014 went from trying to give uh, or giving inhaled bronchodilators as a trial to uh, recommending them not to be used in the, in this disease. What new analysis did you do in this follow-up study and why? I will answer a little bit about why. Now, as pediatricians, we know that acute bronchiolitis is an obstructive airways disease, and we also know that many of those who have an acute episode of bronchiolitis will go on to later develop asthma. Now, asthma is also linked to atopic dermatitis, so there is some sort of associations between these diseases. Now, that has led us to believe that perhaps those children who actually are on the start of developing asthma, manifesting first as acute bronchiolitis, may be the children who actually would benefit from bronchodilators. And this has been sort of a mantra among clinicians for a very long time, and this has sort of been supported that these are the children that should have a trial of bronchodilators. Although this has never been documented, this is why we said we have to test it. And for that reason, we did a follow-up, which I will tell us a little bit more about. 
Obviously, it's difficult to identify these children at the time of their bronchiolitis. It's actually shown to be more or less impossible. So we want to test the hypothesis of whether or not these children benefited. And the way we did that was that we assessed the children at two years of age with a physician-led interview describing and classifying whether or not they had recurrent bronchial obstruction and a physical examination of their skin and the pulmonary function and a skin prick test to determine allergic sensitization. And we then classify them as having a recurrent bronchial obstruction three episodes of more through life. Did subgroup analysis of the original trial. And what were the key results from your follow-up analysis? We found that children who develop recurrent bronchial obstruction by the age of two years don't benefit from inhaled epinephrine in infant bronchiolitis. The subgroup analysis of children with atopic eczema or, or allergic sensitization showed that there was a significant modification of the effect based on these subgroups. But contrary to our hypothesis, the children without atopic eczema or allergic sensitization uh, who received inhaled epinephrine had a shorter length of stay and less use of oxygen support while those children who developed either atopic eczema or allergic sensitization actually had a non-significant trend of uh, disbenefit from, uh, from inhaled adrenaline. And how do you think these findings would influence clinical practice? In the management of acute bronchiolitis, we don't recommend the use of any bronchodilator for any patient. The practice of doing an individual trial in patients with a disposition for allergic disease, we don't recommend that practice to continue. So what would be the next research priority for the field in light of these findings? This is a very good question. Unfortunately, we have now showed that bronchodilators do not appear to work as a first-line treatment. Inhaled hypertonic saline doesn't work. We know that we should not use inhaled or systemic corticosteroids. Antibiotics should not be used. So what are we left with? In fact, the only thing that really seems to be worthwhile at the present time is to do supportive treatment. Now, that is to say, unless we come up with some other good medication that might be beneficial, we think that in a new randomized clinical trial, we should perhaps always have an arm which is no treatment except for supportive treatment. So in other words, we might have an arm of minimal handling as a control group in all the randomized trials in the time to come. I think the most important priority would be to see if there is any way of developing a preventive measure, some sort of vaccine against RSV for particularly those who develop lower respiratory disease. And this is, unfortunately, I think, a bit far in the future but it would be a very promising and interesting field to work on. Thank you, Dr. Skirvan and Professor Carlson, and thank you, listeners. See you again next time.